Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. When you watch the news, what do you see? If you read through social media feeds or newsletters, what kind of message do they typically publish and promote? There has been an increasing trend of bad news, and today Pastor Jim even calls it fake news. But when you read the Bible, you will find good news that is very, very real. Specifically, the story of the coming Christ, or as we know it, Christmas. No better news will ever be recorded than that of God sending His Son for the salvation of all mankind. Well, let's join Pastor Jim in the book of Luke chapter 2 as he begins his message, A Present from Heaven, Good News. Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. You know, years ago, I used to meet with people. I'd go into meetings, and a lot of times I would say to somebody, give me some good news, give me some good news. But the last few years, I've noticed that good news is getting harder and harder to find. The world is full of a lot of bad news. And in the past few years, people have been talking a lot about fake news. But what about good news? I mean, it's been around the church for a while. In fact, you've probably heard that the good news is also called the gospel. And for this Christmas season, we're talking about presents from heaven. And today we want to talk about a present from heaven, good news. The world is full of fake news gospels. You may be surprised to hear that that's not new. You may say, like, what do you mean by that, Pastor Jim? Well, let's take today the fake news that we see in the church and in the culture. We have something called in the church, the health and wealth gospel. That is fake news. Someone in the church might say, if you have enough faith, you'll always be healthy. You'll never be sick, and you'll always be wealthy. You'll always have lots of money. Well, I would like to say to you, I think that's fake news. There are lots of people who are committed followers of Jesus Christ all over the world who are poor, and they're not wealthy, and they may be sick, and they're followers of Jesus. Our culture has a very similar type thing, saying that being healthy is all that matters. You have to look good and be healthy and happy, and that's the way you're going to be happy, is by being healthy and wealthy. But that's fake news. I mean, just look at Hollywood. A lot of people with a lot of issues in Hollywood, all kinds of difficulties in their lives. Others will say this, well, if you work super hard, uh, which lots of people do, you'll be wealthy, but maybe and maybe not. Some people work really hard and they're not wealthy and, and that's okay. That's cultural fake news. But fake news, I contend to you, is old news. It was even around the time when Jesus was born. Let's look at Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. It says, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus, remember that name, that all the world should be registered. So it was some sort of a sentence where you count the people. Some people thought it was for tax purposes. And then it says, verse 2, The census took place while or before, could be, Quirinius was governing Syria, so all went to be registered, everyone to his own city, and you had to go to the town of your ancestors. So if you met somebody from the ancient world who lived around this time, time Jesus was born, and you said, is there anybody more important in this world than Caesar? Most people would say, oh no. Now, Caesar was a title, and Caesar Augustus ruled from 27 BC to 14 AD, and he issued a decree 
or an order for everyone to go and to be counted. Caesar was one of those guys, if he told you to sit, you didn't ask for a chair. You did whatever you were told. How big was he? Well, scholars tell us that his empire, land-wise, was bigger than the 48 states. Population was probably in the vicinity of 70 to 100 million people that were under his rule. But a census was not just about counting people. A census was not just about collecting taxes. It also reminded, if Caesar told you to go there, you went there. If he told you to go there, you went there. It reminded you that Caesar ruled. The name Augustus means majestic. People also say that he was called the Savior, the one who brings good news, God himself, even the Son of God, all fake news. Many in the empire said that Caesar Augustus was the Messiah who brought peace and happiness to the world. Others would say, not at all. That's fake news. To most Jews, they would say that we were captives in our own land. They lived in the promised land, God's land. And the Jews were waiting for their Messiah to come to do what? To kick out Caesar, to kick Rome out not knowing that the Messiah was actually going to come to live a perfect life, to die on the cross for the sins of God's people. Yet in verse 4, Luke draws our attention away from Caesar to a poor couple who's about to have a little boy. Verse 4 says, Joseph went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, that would be King David, which is called Bethlehem. Let's keep that name in the back of our minds because he was of the house and lineage of David. He was part of David's family, a long-term descendant of David's, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife. Now, some of your versions say his, they were engaged, who was with child. What does it mean they were betrothed? They were legally married, but they had not yet consummated their marriage. If you don't know what that word means, ask mom and dad, kids. And they had not consummated. She was still a virgin at this point in time. She was, had been impregnated by the Holy Spirit. It's almost like Luke is telling us right from the get-go here, don't be so impressed with Caesar. Focus instead on this family. As a matter of fact, really especially focus on the child. I guess we could say that Caesar is fake news and Christmas is good news. God is using the census to do what? To have Jesus born in Bethlehem. You could also say that focusing on Jesus will cause you to be less impressed with the powerful people in this world and be impressed with godly people, most of all, to be impressed with Jesus. It's also the way that God, the sense, God uses the census to move this family uh, to, move, to get to Bethlehem. It reminds us how God often operates in our own lives. We've been seeing this in our study of Esther, how he operates by divine providence. So what's so special about Bethlehem? Well, hundreds of years earlier, we read this from the prophet Micah, chapter 5, verse 2. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth are from old, from everlasting. 
less than the last term, from everlasting, he will be eternal. He will have no beginning. To be eternal means to have no beginning and to have no end. 200 years before Micah, more or less, we read this in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 16. And your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. So the eternal throne is from King David's family. Now, this is very, very interesting. That means that the Savior will come through, the Messiah will come through the family line of David. Yet, according to Micah, he will be eternal. How is that possible, you ask? How could someone be born through a family line and yet be eternal? The answer to the question is found in the person of Jesus Christ. It is that God himself will have to become a man. Now we look at verse 6. It says, So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. Can I just take a time out for one second? Can you imagine how nervous these two must have been? I mean, it's widely thought that Mary was a teenager, maybe a young teenager, and Joseph was just a little bit older. They had gone to a faraway land, and they were just about to have a baby. Those of you who've had children, you know that first child, you're just so nervous about everything. Verse 7 says, And she brought forth her first son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger. Now, if you've seen any of the nativity scenes around, it looks all nice, a little baby lying in a nice, neat manger. But really, a manger was more like a feeding trough. So there's no dignity from the start for Jesus. And why was he laid there? Because we're told there was no room for them in the inn. Now, we don't know whether it was an inn that they were really going to stay at. Some people think it could be somebody's family house, but the house was already full. He could end up in a stable. He could be in a cave, barn we might think of, or something like that. And to all of us, this might seem like bad news for Jesus in the midst of the fake news regarding Caesar Augustus. Now we turn to the good news in verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Now they're very close to Jerusalem, so there's very good chance that these shepherds are watching over the sheep, okay, the flock, for the temple sacrifices. Verse 9 says, And behold, an angel, really that word means a messenger, of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone or blazed around them, and they were greatly afraid. Can I be honest with you? I would be greatly afraid myself. I mean, there you are out in the middle of the night, and there's this angel, and the whole sky is just blazed up. You can just imagine, you know, you know anybody who's like, yeah, I got a few things to say to God when I meet him. I bet you those guys would be afraid too. And this is only an angel. What is happening? Heaven's glory is coming to earth. That's what's happening. And the angels are going to declare the message. Look at verse 10, very, very important verse. It says this, then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, easy for them to say, right? Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings. Some of your versions say, I bring you good news, and that's the present we are getting from God today, of great joy, which will be to all people. Now, that term was normally reserved for the people of Israel, but here he says it's for all people. Verse 11, 
For there is born to you this day in the city of David, now watch this very carefully, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Three interesting words, Savior, Christ, and Lord. You know, it's easy to skip over this announcement. It's not just the birth of Jesus that's important. It's the why he was born. This is similar to the announcement of a birth of an earthly king, a great, great announcement. But now it's redefined by the birth of Jesus Christ. It's happening this day. It's happening today. It's the day we remember today. A message not just for Israel, but for all people. And if you're watching us, whenever you're watching this and you're not a follower of Jesus, thank you for watching. Do you know this message is for you? It's not just for people who call themselves followers of Jesus. It is for you. The angel tells the shepherd and us what God is doing this day through this baby, Jesus. The angel declares, I have come to bring good news to you. Good news to you. Not the fake news of Caesar. No, this is the good news that comes from heaven. The idea seems to be the angel saying, I'm bringing good news to you, good news to you personally. Now, a lot of people in those days considered shepherds to be lowlifes. They just sort of the bottom rung of society. There's an interesting phrase that they say that a lot of shepherds had, what's thine is mine. That means they were thieves. They stole from people. The good news, though, is for you and me, too. When God is moving in grace, the angel is telling them that there is nothing to fear. It is a cause for joy. Now, look at the words in verse 11 that's used to describe Jesus. The first word is Savior. Well, what is a Savior? A Savior is a great rescuer, a deliverer of God's people, the one who rescues his people from sin and the finality of death, the one who offers eternal life to all who will simply put their trust in the Savior. This baby who is Christ the Lord. Christ means anointed one. Anointed for what? Anointed for the service of the Lord. And the Christ would be known to a lot of people as the long-awaited-for Messiah, the chosen one, taking God's role as the Savior. Finally, and most surprisingly, it says, this child is Christ the Lord. Do you know, up until now in Luke's gospel, this term has already been used, and we're only in chapter two, almost 20 times already. It's been used over and over again. This is not Caesar. This is a term for the God of Israel himself. Jesus is God become a man, which means that there is divinity in the manger. There is divinity in that feeding trough. And what's, if you don't know what a feeding trough is, it's what the animal, they put the animal food in and the animals would eat out of it. Now I'm sure they cleaned it out before they put them in there, but it's really not what we might call deluxe accommodations. The angel does not say this is Christ or Messiah of the Lord. That's not what he says. The angel says he is the Lord. This is the title or one of the titles of God of the Old Testament. In fact, Mary said it in chapter 1, verse 47. This is how she referred to God. 
So the Savior is the chosen one of God, not the ruler of the Roman Empire, the chosen one of God. And who is this Savior God? The infant in the manger. Next, Luke takes us to the sign of the good news, verse 12. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloth. Now, that would not be that unusual. Baby born, put him in a blanket, not that unusual. Lying in a manger, well, lying in a feeding trough, that would be unusual for sure. But perhaps the most unusual sign of all, at least to me, is something that's not mentioned here. But it is the humility of God. That God would come and be born under such humble circumstances. No king in the Roman Empire would ever be born like that. There would be great pomp and circumstance. I don't know about you, but when I think about this, looking at God in a feeding trough makes me really believe that the good news is for all people. It makes me really believe that it's real. You see, remember I said earlier that some people said that if you had enough faith, that you would be wealthy, or that's the way to be happy, to be wealthy. And here, we see the king comes so poor that anybody on earth could relate to him. I find the simplicity of the scene to actually be staggering. Truly, God, Emmanuel, which means God with us, is with us. He came to earth. Next, we move to the God of the good news, verse 13 and 14. Verse 13 says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. Now, there's some what we call manuscript variants here, meaning that different manuscripts over time, we've got thousands of them say different ways. And I think a better translation is probably goes something like this. Peace on earth to people he, God, favors. Or on earth, peace among those with whom he, God, is pleased. Literally, it means among men of his good pleasure. So the Christmas child may be in a feeding trough, but heaven is still there in all of its glory, singing the praises of the king of heaven. Suddenly, from heaven appears an army of angels to announce the presence of good news for all. Notice, first we hear, glory to God in the highest. The God of heaven is lifted up. It might be us saying, God, we bless you. The angels, what do they do? They point us to God and not to themselves. That's a great lesson for us all to know and to learn, that our job is to point people to the Lord, not to ourselves. It's a great way to judge Bible teachers. Do they lead you to Jesus, or do they lead you to yourself, or do they lead you to themselves? Next, they show us when they say, peace on earth, that God's divine pleasure is upon whom? His people. Now, that also means that it's not upon everyone. His divine pleasure is upon his people, but not everyone. 
His pleasure, his peace is for those who have put their faith and trust in the Savior King, who is the Lord of heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ. Through Jesus, God will rescue his people from their sins on the cross. All authority on heaven and on earth will be given to Jesus. You see, the problem with fake news in the world is chaos. The problem in the good news is that sin separates us from God. In the fake news world, the solution is the government. In the good news world, the solution is the child. In the fake news world, the price is paid by you. Pay your taxes, pay for this, pay for that. In the good news world, the price for your sins is paid by Jesus. In the fake news world, the promise is for a better life. In the good news world, it is for the kingdom of heaven, an eternal kingdom. The good news is the way we find peace. It's the way we can live peace. It's the way we can proclaim peace. But if you haven't received Jesus as your savior, the bad news is it's not for you. Peace will not be with you. Peace with God will not be yours. Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, is the present from heaven. Jesus is the good news for the world. From shepherds who steal to religious people who think they're all it, and everyone in between, the good news is only to those who respond to the grace of God. It is only those people who will make it to heaven. This is why with excitement, like a child on Christmas morning, we bow the knee at the side of the manger in awe and wonder. Merry Christmas, and I hope and pray your trust is in the Christmas child, the good news of eternal life in heaven that he brings and gives to you on this Christmas day. God bless you, and Merry Christmas. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have sent your son to die on the cross for us. We thank you that he became a man and in all humility, in all his humbleness, he laid in that manger then to go live a perfect life for us so that we too could experience your peace. We thank you that the good news is not fake news, Lord. Help us to be people of the good news. We praise you, we thank you, we love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You've just heard a special message brought to you by Pastor Jim Kevney here on Changed by Love. Thank you for joining us to hear this message about the best present that you could ever receive, the good news of Jesus Christ. So many thoughts and ideas come to mind when you think about Christmas and the gift giving that happens. Family getting together, wrapping paper being torn, twinkling lights sparkling in the background. Kids are eagerly anticipating what the mystery gift is inside of that box, and you're wondering if you want to guess what it is or just be surprised altogether. But did you realize that the best gift you could give your loved ones is a saving knowledge of Jesus and what he's done for each person on the cross? It's truly astounding that Jesus came in such a humble way as a baby, but his ultimate mission was to fulfill what God sent him to do, becoming a man who would sacrifice his life for the sake of humanity. It causes you to pause during the Christmas season and stop amidst the flurry of busyness. It brings you to your knees, knowing that the blood was shed for you and for me. 
Jesus was innocent, and yet he suffered, he bled and died, yet the story didn't end there. In fact, that's what makes all of this so remarkable, that Jesus came to die, but didn't stay dead. He conquered death and sin, so that you yourself could conquer death and sin by believing in his saving grace. When you make that choice, you're receiving the gift of eternal life. This gift will be more meaningful and will last longer than any earthly gift could offer. If you've made that decision, we're so incredibly excited for your future with Jesus. If you're yet to come to a point of choosing Jesus for yourself, we want you to know that the time is now. We'd like to talk with you and bring some clarity to what you might be wondering about. As you study the scriptures, may God's word be revealed to your heart and your mind as you open up to him and the relationship he's offering. Here's our phone number so you can speak with someone about these things. It's 973-659-3380. Once more, that number is 973-659-3380. Please don't hesitate to call us and don't assume that we don't have time. We do. If you'd like more information about the message you heard today or would like to listen to it again, go to changedbyloveradio.com. There are additional messages that are a part of this Christmas series, so make sure you look for them at changedbyloveradio.com. The great thing about Pastor Jim's messages is that they're easy to follow, and they meet you where you are. We're so thankful for your continued support of this radio ministry. We'd love your prayers for Pastor Jim and the whole production team as the word goes out. There are always attacks and roadblocks just waiting to stop or slow things down, but God's word will still stand. We hope this message has inspired you to join us for the next edition, where you'll hear more sound teaching from Pastor Jim. So make sure to be with us again here on Changed by Love.